2: McDowell's Specialty Repair, Susie Boyle Mortgage Team and Castle Cook Mortgage, LLC, Disciples Coffee, a Christian coffee shop and roastery in Garden City, Christian Brothers Automotive, Security Gold and Silver, a reliable source for your bullion investment, Domino's Pizza, Diamond Heating and Cooling, Hoffman Autobody, Someone You Can Trust, Zero Res Carpet Cleaning, and Dodd Roofing. And now, here's your host, Skip Hall.
0: Welcome to Game Plan for Life. This is your host, Skip Hall. Well, today, uh, just before Christmas, we've got an outstanding show for you. I think you're really going to enjoy hearing from these people today. First base is John Strain, who's been here many times before. And John's brought along a couple of uh, important people in his life and But, John, I want to say welcome back to you first.
1: Hey, thank you very much. Yeah. Now, tell us who you got here with you today. Well, these are, in the words of the Father, when he spoke of Jesus being baptized, this is my much-loved son, in whom I'm well-pleased. And these are my much-loved sons. Two, in fact. Two of them. My oldest, Bryant, is here. He's a pastor in Salt Lake City. And uh, my son, Jason, lives right here in Meridian, and um and he's doing sales for a nonprofit organization. So Great, great. Well, seeing how you've got seniority, Brian,
0: <laughs> let's hear from you first.
3: Yeah. Tell uh, us
0: about your life up to this point. Yeah.
3: Born in Utah, moved to Idaho when I was 10. Went back to Utah, went to school at the University of Utah. And from there, got connected in ministry and eventually the pastorate. Got a wife. We're coming up on 12 years this summer, three you. kids, six years, four years, and then four months. Wow. And so three boys. Uh, the boy gene is strong in the strain family. So.
0: <laughs> That's why we live I in Boise. <laughs> I would say so, for sure. Well, it's a real pleasure to have you here today, Bryant, and we'll hear, we'll hear more from you in a, in a bit. So Jason, what's your
2: story? Similar to Bryant, uh, where we split off was uh, I decided to stay in Idaho for college, uh, so I went to the Boise State University mm. after growing up here, and uh, married my high school sweetheart, Jenna, shortly after, and we moved up to Seattle, and we're a little bit transient during our 20s, um, but yeah, I lived in Seattle for five years, that's where I got into working in software, and okay. then uh, we went down south where it's warmer, and houses are more affordable to Austin, Texas, and... Uh, lived there for four years which is where we welcomed our first boy judah who's now four okay and then uh when she was pregnant with our second boy Otto, who's now two we moved back to the boise area we had that uh it was like salmon out at sea we had the uh boise in our dna we just knew we had to go upstream to get back here we made it back
0: (laughs) that's great that's great well a lot of people find their way back I'm 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 included in that well john we've been talking about the uh, you gotta listen and today, I think you want to tackle this Zechariah story first. Is that yeah? Correct? It's Christmas. Yeah, Christmas. we got to
1: we got to jump into it's our chapter fourteen, which is entitled "Our Identity from Conception." Yeah, and this this story has captured my mind, uh, especially during the season. Skip because it has so much to do with how we hear and how we hear God, what He says, but also our identity. Yeah, this text is loaded with identity information. And I, I share a family story uh, that's pretty raw uh, in the chapter. We're not going to get into that. but well, you
0: teased us now. <laughs> I teased you. Yeah, you're going to have
1: to get the book. you to got to get buy it. To, no, it's not out available yeah. Yeah. yet. We have an advanced copy reader out, and we're cleaning it up a little bit. But I think these two themes of hearing God and our identity, I think they're intimately connected. Yeah. And this text shows it. Mm -hmm. And so, anyway, we could, uh, you know, and it it helps us. So we have 10 ways. How do you know it's God speaking to you? uh, 10 indicators. And that is really what the book is about, dealing with our agnosticism, are kind of like, well, I don't know for sure. Can I really know if that was God? How do I know? God, was at you? Did mm. you say that? And I'm not sure if I want to know, because <laughs> then I'll be on the hook. Right, right. <laughs> and if he's, you know, but the whole premise of this is if there's a God who speaks, then I think he intends to be heard. Yeah. And if he intends to be heard, then he must be responded to. And that's where we find mm. Zacharias struggling uh, a little bit with when the angel Gabriel appeared to him yeah, no uh, in Luke chapter 1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well,
0: those 10 points that John's mentioning, uh, you can go back and, and find those on previous shows, but uh, I'm sure we'll hit on those again before uh, this whole thing is over with, with your book, right? Yeah, you bet. So uh, today, let's tackle this. Let's dive into Zacharias' response
1: to God's message. Okay. So the he's a priest, he and his wife— uh, the text says this is all Luke one five through fifteen or five to twenty five actually, and so they're blameless, they're righteous, they are both downlines in the priestly line of Israel. Uh, they, you know, so there's a lot going on. They're advanced in years. Mm-hmm. The text says a couple of different times. So, so he wins the lottery. And he gets to be get into the holy of holies to do the annual thing. If you calculate the number of priests and number of opportunities to really go in and to do this unique service, is right. it's just it is a lottery. And so here he is. So he's in. They probably had a rope tied around his leg right. in case things don't work right. out. <laughs> he makes a mistake and Dragging dies off. in there. And so Zacharias is in there. And and he's taking a lot of time, and the people are starting to go. Oh, maybe we better start pulling that rope. Uh, what's going on in there? And he comes out. And he can't speak after his encounter. Yeah. And so why, and
0: excuse me for interrupting, but why can't he speak?
1: Okay, so this is the, yeah, this, this is, is what's line. really interesting. Yeah. So something happens to him in there that is very unusual. The angel Gabriel appears to him. Mm-hmm. He says, "Hey, we've got." A message for you. And uh, this is picking up about uh, verse 13 of Luke 1. He says, Do not be afraid, Zacharias. Could be Zachariah, some of the translations. For your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, mm. and he will drink no wine or liquor, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, yet while in his mother's womb. Mm. And he will turn back many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God, and it is he who will go as a forerunner before him, and we'll get to the hymn here in a moment, mm-hmm. uh, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, he's quoting Malachi 6, by the way, and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said, verse 18, to the angel, how shall I know this for certain? Hmm. For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel said, well... And we'll get to what the angel said, right, but, uh, right. he right. said, said Bob Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God,
0: Right. that ought to right. be. Well, I know in the manuscript that uh, you, you put a little snarky comment <laughs> in there, too. So let me read something that I, I think will help listeners to grab a hold of this. Zach, why do you need to know for certain? <laughs> we didn't uh, need to tell you. It's a courtesy call, a heads up. What difference will it make for you to know for certain Either she's going to have a baby or not. It's not on you. Your part is easy. Plus, this is the answer to your multiple requests for a child. You've worn us out. We are giddy, anticipating how this is going to bless you and Elizabeth. We had this in mind the whole time and thought you'd be delighted by waiting a little longer. A much greater answer than you ever asked for. You won the lottery, being the being in the Holy of Holies for this announcement, The Ultimate Venue. Your response and slowness to get is underwhelming. For a man in your role, it's stunning. You would even suggest God wouldn't or couldn't deliver. We're going to give you some time to think about it. A verbal timeout.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So if he was was a guy holding a remote control, he hit mute on Zacharias, who would not speak for nine months or more because Elizabeth was not yet pregnant. And uh so that was all he had to do. That was his job and the rest was chillax, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Heaven's got this. Yeah. So I think the thing that's fascinating to me Skip is that, you know, the here's a professional. He's a he's been doing this for a long time. He knows the law. He's acquainted with God. He's very good at his priestly role and he's, you know, he's top notch. And yet his heart is kind of hard in the announcement, and you got to stop and ask, the reader does, "Why, why would you say, how will I know for certain? And that's why I went a little snarky. Now, the angel is much more dignifying. He just simply says, I'm Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Behold, you will be silent. And I'm and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which shall be fulfilled in their proper time. And so, anyway, that's kind of what's set up. Now, that's going to be contrasted with Mary, who gets an announcement from the same angel that you're going to be with child. Mm. And Skip, I, you know, we won't jump into the Mary story as much yeah. here, but... I just want to summarize it because it's such a contrast. She's a young woman, a teenager. She's betrothed. She's, you know, engaged. She's legally married but not consummated in this marriage yet. Mm -hmm. And she, her response is, you know, she goes, Wow, this is like, how can this be? But her question is not, he doesn't respond to, there's not, you know, it's just like, this is like amazing. How can this be? This is like, Really? But she has so much more to lose yeah. being pregnant out of, apart from her, even her fiancé, so it's scandalous. And so, uh, but her response eventually is, My soul exalts the Lord, my spirit is rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. And... I kind of translate that she goes on and says more but I translate that to say okay god if you say so bring it and it's an obedience and a humble obedient response and but I go back and then compare that to Zachariah and I yeah. go why why this you've prayed for this but he's you know He's old.
3: <laughs> mm, yeah, <laughs> They're probably
1: okay. imagine. how are we going to be on the soccer sidelines with, you know, at our advanced years as parents and raising a little child. So both of these are high risk pregnancies potentially, right. Right? right? So you can say, well, our culture would say, do away with that. Just do away with it. You know, don't, don't, don't meddle with it. Just, you know, wait for a better time or no time. Uh, yeah. But that's not what happened. So what's interesting, this raises all these hearing God, how do I hear God? How do I know? How do I hear? And how do I know? This is really unusual for an angel to show up with a message, but you start re- realizing why we d- might not hear God is that there's something not set right in our hearts about that. So I so I thought we would have a little discussion about how do we hear And how did that come to be for us, you know, and why, what do you, with this backdrop here, how do you learn about what's going on in our own hearts so we don't hear very well and respond very well if we do hear? Mm -hmm. And that agnosticism kind of sits there for all of us in one way or another. Well, it's interesting.
0: So even Zacharias went agnostic about the voice of God. He did.
1: It's not just
0: us modern people. Yeah. But even
1: back then. So I I Brian shared an interesting thought here. We were talking about this text earlier this morning, and you know, there's we we have I would say we're trying to be intentional in teaching our kids to hear God's voice. And uh but even even parents have limits about what we can do. And and ultimately, and I Brian, maybe even as we were pulling up here, you were sharing about that, I wonder if you could Uh, elaborate on this is the pastor's son so there you go listen to him
3: (laughs) yeah i i think it's interesting that when you take you have zacharias and you have mary on both ends of the spectrum we see different responses but god god's given an identity to both jesus and john the baptist that they're going to carry out and fulfill their purpose one way or another And, and so we see different reactions of parents but in that, ultimately, Zechariah and his wife come around to this, and and history goes on. But mm-hmm. I, I think f- for me, as I, I've thought uh, about this, uh, you know, with my dad here in the room, I can look back and just be thankful for how him and my mom have been very intentional yes. with uh, my my brothers and I from from day one, and um, there's not. A doubt or a question in my mind that they they love us. that they've been very affirming and building up of us, and and that's that's a beautiful thing. And if you look at a lot of times with today's culture and, and the problems we look at, we think you know if kids only knew that their parents love them, that would make a world of difference. And that's that's true. True. But I think there's a even deeper, more profound level of you know we talk about this agnosticism. Is do we know that? God loves us at the end. And uh, so recently, in the past year, I've been in a passage in Isaiah 43, and he says a number of things. He talks about how he's redeemed us. He's called us by his name. He says, you are mine. He says over and over again, I am with you. But then there's this one verse that just struck me and landed with me, and it said, more or less, you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. Mm. And th- this is this is God speaking to to Israel to His people right. and and so in that what struck me about this passage is I had no question that my parents love me, but for some reason when I hear this and I hear the words from God I love you mm-hmm. there's an inner agnosticism that's I don't I don't really believe that
0: mm-hmm.
3: and and I was kind of struck and convicted by the thought of. Why can I believe that my parents love me, but I don't actually believe that God loves me? And and so that that's that's a question then that is, I think central that as we come, uh, as we come to God, you know, part of the hearing His voice is we hear a statement, and you know, Bible's full of all kinds of statements, but the question back to God is, Lord, do you do you mean that? Yeah, and and I think the reality of that is, you know, and and for me this was a, this was a, just a huge moment because it's like you do mean that. Yeah, and there's there's something about identity there that you are precious, you are honored, you are, and I love you. Yeah. That's that's such a grounding statement that as, as we receive that, there's a there's relationship with God. But then out of that, that grounds an identity for which we can even talk about parenting our own kids. It opens the door. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. you know, our mm-hmm. agnosticism is going to be hand it off and we're we're going to be tackling secondary problems rather than primary problems. No,
0: no kidding. No good. Good stuff. I want to ask a question at this point. So do you believe that God speaks through people to us? Like parents. That kind of gives it away, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I believe that God speaks in, in many ways. I mean, we have His Word as a foundation, but Certainly he's speaking through through people, through situations, through circumstances, and um his you know, he he's been speaking from day one of creation. Mm. And I think the question, and I mean this is for the book, are are we listening? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and and are are we not just are we listening, are we with agenda listening, but are we humbly listening to receive what he might have to give and and I think there's an there's a agnosticism in all of us that needs to just be recognized. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Well, let's bring Jason into this conversation. Yeah. So hey, I gotta, you got to, I, I want to prompt
1: Jason at this point because, you know, I, can, I love what Bryant said because this releases parents a little bit. God needs to speak to that child himself, whether the, it's a young child or an adult child. Our job is to transfer mm-hmm. to God, you know. And so we're doing whatever we can to get them ready to respond to God and because they ultimately are going to be, it's going to be between them and God, right? It's a, it's a handoff. Yep. They're packing the pigskin and, now. <laughs> and some, you know, maybe there are some things that parents can do. I think parents are important in this. But there is a point, even though Bryant knew all that stuff, you kind of go, but God still had to speak to his heart. About that, and so I want to bring Jason in on this because there's kind of a segue story here of of how some of this may transfer over later. And I got a beautiful voice quilt message from Jason on my 50th birthday. He was in Italy, mm-hmm. and he he did it over Skype or one of these technologies, you know. And so, but he told, he said a lot of nice things, and then he came back. He goes, "Oh, I about forgot to tell you something," and he added another story. But Jason, you remember uh you and I were at an impasse. You told the story and you were in grade school. I I gotta get you in to tell this. And then kinda how that impet that story happened in grade school, but then you reflected back and it had a had an impact on you later. And could you yeah, tell? Yeah,
2: yeah. So I <laughs> it's funny. This is one of those memories that just I'd never verbalized it. It's just one of those memories that lives in your head rent-free and just comes up from time <laughs> to time. I never really thought about it. It just kind of came to my mind. And yeah, we were in this impasse. It was, I mean, one of many probably with my <laughs> my, uh, my stubborn argumentative self. But uh, I remember just, I don't remember what it was. I just remember going into my room. I remember where my bed was in the room, how I was laying and just like seething in anger, just bitter. You know, we had taken positions. Uh, he was, you know, he was probably right. I was probably in the wrong. But but either way, I'm just sitting there, you know, angry. And a few minutes had probably gone by, uh, probably 30 minutes or so. Then my dad came back in and I remember, you know, knocking on the door, him walking in. And he had this little uh, baseball glove thing filled with gumballs with the Yankees logo on it. It's no one of those more. things that like, you know, very small, probably like three dollars uh down from, from King's this local <laughs> store that used to ride my bike. I would go eyeball those things. They were next to the sports cars. It was one of those things that like I just kinda like I don't even think I'd ever talked about it or asked for it explicitly, but he had observed, you know, it was something that that I'd be into. And he came in and just said, Hey buddy, you know, I just wanted to tell you that I love you. And, you know, here's this thing. And he probably had a few other words, but That was it, right? It was this expression of love, a posture of humility. Um, Like, I I know we're at odds here, um, and I just wanted to tell you I love you. Mm. And then he walked out, and I left it. I I probably sat there crying. I don't know (laughs) how I responded, but that's what I remember. And, yeah, I I could say more on that, but I I was thinking, reflecting a little bit more, too, I'm like, man, if I think about these memories with my parents over the years, there's several more that I can think of, even some with my mom uh, and my dad, where there's a thread of humility and the things I remember, not the angry moments where there wasn't reconciliation or an apology or something like that. The ones I remember are when they came and, uh, we were at odds, there was anger, there was frustration, and they ultimately knelt down and either apologized to me directly or, or, you know, told me they loved me and kind of postured in humility. And to me, it's funny to think about my own identity and how that's been shaped that wasn't a word of God, right? Like in Brian's situation or anything like that. It wasn't anything like that. It was just a modeling, a sinner saved by grace and what it looks like in the humility of Christ. And so mm. to me, it's interesting to think about how those things have shaped my identity without me even knowing it in a way that now I can go do that with my four-year-old and my two-year-old. And um, and, I, and and I my wife and I have both learned that and been modeled that to wow. hopefully shape them in the same way.
0: Wow, that's that's powerful stuff. That, that's That's awesome.
1: Skip what's interesting when I in that encounter i recall it very vividly myself and uh i remember we had that impact neither of us can remember what it was about that's interesting but when i walked out i felt desperate i i i said my son has a really dark view of me at the moment here and that scared there's something that scared me a little extra and i just said lord what can i do how do i communicate this and this this was one of these mind's ear moments where he said, go buy that gumball thing he was looking at. And Jason's gift I'd observed as gift, you know, one of his you know, love languages is gifts. Yeah. So I thought, oh, I can do that. And I was really surprised, you know, that this mm-hmm. thing came to my mind. And I ro- drove down and bought it. It was still there. Brought it back. And I thought, I'm not going to make a lot of fanfare out of this, but just... Come in and just let him know I am sorry that we're at an impasse, but I love you, and so as he said, and so I left it, and I you know, and then that story just kind of went away all those years, and then Jason, you made another interesting comment on on there that that of what how that was a, a a picture, I guess, of God's love and grace that that was at that point was one of the strongest pictures you'd had. And I marveled at that. I I just couldn't. I was like, wow. But here's an interesting thing I, that I've noticed that both of these my sons do is that they are. Um, they were, we were talking about this earlier, but just being students of their kids to know. Jason, you were specifically mentioned that this morning, and kind of how do you how you and Jenna roll on that? Just kind of watching your children and.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're in this phase right now that, I mean, they're foreign too. It's like, I mean, God's probably speaking to, uh, through us to speak to them, but a lot of it is we're just observing right now. I mean, their, their character, their personalities, their God-given gifts are, are you know, every day these things are evolving and we're learning who they are. So we're just in that state of observing to know, Hey, when we need to go to the store, do we buy them the, the Yankee gumballs or do we something else? Or maybe it's a word of affirmation. Maybe it's, you know, whatever it is, we're just learning who they are. I think right now to know. When the time comes, how we can respond
0: well we're we're about out of time, but I just want to say thank you to all three of you, John Jason, Brian, for sharing your heart. you know this is important stuff, and, and to know what the Bible is telling us to listen to hear, and obviously then to act uh that's that's the ball game that's the yeah. ball game so Maybe um, we'll continue this conversation uh, at a later date, but for now we're going to have to sign off. And I just want to say thank you to all our sponsors that provide the means to, to make this show possible. And uh, go visit them if you uh, have a chance, you're looking for something that they uh, offer. Go visit them. These are wonderful people, and uh, I'm, I'm sure proud of them for sure. So anyway, that's it for this edition of Game Plan for Life. And uh, next Saturday we'll have another one. And until then, God bless you, and Merry Christmas to all. Thank you for listening to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. This is Carolyn Holly inviting you to listen at this same time on this same station next Saturday, as Skip and his guests go over the game plan for life. Have a great weekend, and remember: no game plan, no victory.